Amen. We are certainly glad to have you tonight. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19 as the ushers come, uh, we'll make ready to receive our offering. Thank you for being kind and generous to uh, our special speaker Sunday. Brother Corey Bain was here. Uh, he uh, called as he was on his way back to New Jersey on Monday. And uh, the offering, by the way, on, on Sunday for him was uh, something like $868, something like that. And uh, he never mentioned a word to me about any, any needs or situations like that. He just said to convey to you his gratitude. And uh, there was something, there was a, a pressing need that he and his wife uh, were dealing with. And Sunday's offering took care of that for them. So uh, thank you for being a blessing. By the way, you'll never outgive God. And uh, you'll, you'll always be blessed for taking care of God's servants, whether they're evangelists, missionaries, whatever. So thank you for, for doing that. Brother Reamer, it's good to have you back in town. Uh, Jonathan is trying to get them to move to Mississippi. So uh, we're, all, we're all mad at Jonathan right now, right? And, uh, but it's good to have the Reamers back, and I, and I know they had a good time with their kids. Would you pray for tonight's offering, please? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to come to church during the midweek and just ask, Lord, that you would strengthen our pastor now and that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, that he might have the words to deliver that, to the message you've laid on his heart for us to hear tonight and thank you lord for the opportunity to give and just pray lord you bless the giver we love you in jesus name amen amen a couple of real quick announcements for you uh there will sunday school teachers again if you have not uh picked up your lesson for this coming sunday make sure you stop by and uh, get that after the service this evening a week from tonight there'll be a brief business meeting at the end of the bible study so please be in your places for that saturday uh, April the 29th, there's going to be a bridal shower held for Miss Molly Rogers here at the church from 1 to 3 o'clock. There's a sign-up out on the church bulletin board, and there's also some information, some contact information. So ladies, uh, if you've not yet uh, signed up, please do so. Uh, if you have any questions, all the information is out there. Uh, for you. On the 30th of April, uh, we'll be starting a discipleship slash new converts class. Brother John Snow is going to be teaching that. And uh, so if you are newly saved or new to the church or new to this type of church, I would encourage you to, to be a part of this class. It is a 10-week course. Um, uh, the curriculum is outstanding. Uh, Brother Snow is a, is a very, very skillful teacher. You will be blessed. Uh, if you have any questions on that, Brother John is right back there. Feel free to talk to him about it. Uh, if you know someone uh, newly saved, uh, new to the church, encourage them to start coming at 10 o'clock and be a part of that. And with that, I think we'll just go right into our, our Bible study here tonight. By the way, I'm a, still a believer in Sunday school. Uh, I really am. How many of you know the Bible as well as you should? Okay. I, I'm amazed. I watch parents that drive into the church, drop their kids off, and then sit in their car until 11 o'clock. It's like, uh, you don't need to learn the Bible. Okay. Uh, we have uh, some great opportunities throughout uh, the ministry here. So please, uh, let's make sure that we make Sunday school a priority. Acts chapter 19, uh, we are dealing with the great ministry in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus in Paul's day was one of the major cities of the Roman Empire. 
It contained one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the magnificent temple of Diana or Artemis. Artemis. I say magnificent not because it was a great place to go. It was just uh, an incredible thing of architecture. Uh, it was the size of a modern-day football stadium. Um, and uh, it was, uh, of all the seven wonders of the ancient world, it was considered the number one on the list. Um, because of that temple being there, Ephesus attracted people from all over uh, the then known world that would come there, be a part of that, to see that particular place. It was also, therefore, a very pagan city. Um, and we'll, we'll see where that paganism comes in in just a little bit. If we can get our map up there uh, so we can go back just a little bit and review. Uh, Paul went to the city and uh, he is following up on the ministry of Apollos, uh, who was there for some time uh, teaching in the synagogue and so forth. Notice, if you would, the soul winning emphasis of this church. Uh, verse number nine, but when divers, that's in the synagogue, there were divers people that were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. He, Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. We don't know much about this man or the location of this particular school, uh, but that is where this church began to meet. And this continued, verse 10, by the space of two years. Ephesus was the longest ministry of the Apostle Paul. It says in verse 10 also, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. If you, do we have our map, fellas? Thank you. Asia is this area outlined or colored in red here. That is about half of the modern day country of Turkey. The Bible says that Ephesus was right there. By the end of two years time, everybody in Asia had heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing statement. Um, they did so without the printing press. They did so without gospel tracts. They did so without social media or any kind of mass communication. You understand that if everybody in that region of the world of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, it was all done by word of mouth. It was either the preaching from a pulpit or it was more than likely person to person, house to house, soul winning. It would have been during those two years that the churches of Revelation, there is Smyrna, Sardis, Thyatira, Pergamon, Philadelphia, and so forth, Laodicea down here, all of those churches would most likely have been started. Uh, it is not believed that Paul actually himself started those works. He appears to have stayed there in the city of Ephesus, directing things, teaching, preaching, guiding. It was his converts that were going out sharing the gospel everywhere that they went. Uh, this was perhaps the greatest soul winning church in the history of the world. Uh, again, they're doing it without passing, a tra passing out tracts or anything like that. Uh, this is all word of mouth, person to person soul winning, exactly the way that the Lord Jesus Christ commanded that it should be done. He said, go into all the world and do what? 
preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I'm all for passing out tracts. I have a supply of them in the, the panel on, on my driver's side door in my car uh, so that I always have one handy with me, uh, whether it's a drive through or whatever. If I'm getting out of the car going somewhere, I can grab some tracks, take them with me, uh, and so forth. And I, I think gospel tracks are a tremendous tool. And our church passes out uh, several thousand of them uh, every single year. And that's great and that's wonderful. But the Savior said, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to every creature. That, that's vocalization. I'm not going to ask you, but I wonder how many in the, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many in this world you have actually shared the gospel with someone in your entire Christian life or in the last week, the last month, the since uh, 2023 started. Well, I, I, just, I just can't talk to people like that. Oh, we can talk to people about what we want to talk to them about. Uh, if we want to talk about the weather, we can talk about weather. Uh, if we want to talk about politics, we can talk about politics. Uh, we can talk, it's we're picking and choosing. There is no more important topic to talk about than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to go to heaven because they were a Republican or a conservative. They're going to go to heaven because they know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's not found at the ballot box. That's found in the Word of God. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? He didn't say a pastor. He said a preacher. That's a proclaimer, someone to share. The church at Ephesus is one of the greatest examples in the New Testament that we have of a church who took the Great Commission to heart and carried it out with remarkable results. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody got saved. Uh, it just means that everybody heard. Again, go back to verse 10. This continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. You might want to circle the word all. That comes from a Greek word that means all. There weren't any exceptions. Um, the Lord does not exaggerate in the Bible. If he said that all of them heard it, that means that all of them heard it, a remarkable thing that happened there. So we saw that tremendous soul winning emphasis in verse number, uh, verses number 11 and 12. We saw the special miracles that God enabled the apostle Paul to perform. We know from Hebrews, God confirmed the word of the apostles by signs and wonders and Ephesus was one of those places where that happened. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul that so, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Unusual way that God did this. We know earlier in the book of Acts uh, that, uh, that uh, Peter, the people hoped his shadow might pass by and, and come across them that they might be healed. We know from the gospel of Mark uh, that there was the woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And she actually was. God can use whatever methods he wants to for healing and the working of miracles. And uh, so this is what happened in the city of Ephesus. 
there appears to have been a huge display of these spiritual gifts. And there's a reason I believe that it happened in Ephesus. We don't read about this happening in Thessalonica or Berea or, or some of the other places Paul went. We didn't, Paul was in Corinth for a long time and we didn't see it there. But in Ephesus, it happened. And it's because Ephesus was a, a, uh, uh, an epicenter for spiritual warfare and especially demonic activity. We talked about that temple of Diana. I want you to look at a couple of, of uh, references with me, with me, if you could. Let's keep your place here. Go back to Leviticus, Old Testament, Leviticus 17. When we think of idols, we, a lot of different religions around the world still have them. Hinduism is filled with them. Buddhism uh, has their idols. Roman Catholicism has idols all over the place uh, and so forth. Um, would, would you understand to us, they're just a statue. Uh, it's a figurine, something like that. And, uh, it's, it's in, but, but it's more than that. When you get down to it, the worship of idols, look what, uh, Luke, uh, Leviticus 17. Um, and let's see, let's start at verse number, um, seven. It's talking about the fact of where they were supposed to offer sacrifices, how they were supposed to do that. Verse seven says, and they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto what? Unto devils after whom they have gone a whoring. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generations. And they're worshiping the idols of Egypt the idols of the Amorites and so on and so forth. The Bible says they were actually making sacrifices unto what? Unto devils. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy means second law or second giving of the law. Moses is writing to the children of those he wrote to in Leviticus. That generation has died off in the wilderness. Their children uh, are about to go into the promised land. And uh, please notice as, as uh, Moses is writing here, he's reviewing some of their history. Verse 16, they provoked him, talking about the previous generation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. So again, uh, the Bible's pointing out that those, this is more than just a, a statue of stone or wood or, or metal, uh, something like that. Uh, it's actually a representation of demonic beings or forces. Second Chronicles chapter 11. Second Chronicles chapter 11. After Solomon passed away, his son Rehoboam became the king of Israel and, and uh, he wasn't a real wise young man and he split the kingdom uh, on, his, uh, on his coronation about like three days after he was crowned to be the king. Israel was divided into two nations. The northern ten tribes, they would be known as Israel 
from then on. Uh, the southern two tribes would be known as Judah. Rehoboam would get be king of Judah. And the king of, of Israel was a young man by the name of Jeroboam. Uh, Jeroboam was afraid that uh, if everybody, all the Jews kept going back to Jerusalem to worship as God commanded, that they would start missing the old days. And they would start longing for the nation to be back together. And so he decided to create his own religion. And uh, he built some golden calves and said, these be your gods and, and so forth. And he, that new nation, the 10 tribes, the Northern kingdom of Israel went into idolatry almost from day one. Notice what the Bible says about this in second Chronicles eleven thirteen. And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel, talking about the 10 northern tribes, resorted to him, that's to Rehoboam, out of all their coasts. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. So all the Levites that that uh, God had, had uh, placed throughout the Israel realized there's, there's no place for us here. Uh, Jeroboam doesn't want anybody worshiping Jehovah God. So they all migrated south into Judah. The Bible goes on to say more about Jeroboam and his sons, verse 15. And he ordained him priest for the high places and for the devils and for the calves, which he had made those golden calves. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers. So we find that throughout the Old Testament, the reference to the pagan gods of the heathens and even the false gods that people like Jeroboam uh, led the, the Jewish people to worship, they were actually devils. Uh, masquerading as Baal or Ashtaroth or Molech or whatever the God went by. Go back to, to Acts chapter 19. That wasn't a rabbit trail. Uh, that's a part of our understanding of the ministry that Paul had in the city of Ephesus. Um, again, uh, the, the temple of Diana uh, held tens of thousands of worshipers at a time. Uh, we will see later on in this chapter uh, that uh, when, when Paul came to Ephesus at that time, everybody in Asia was a worshiper of this goddess, Diana, and uh, Diana was just a front for a devil, for a demon, okay? By the time Paul's there for two years, everybody in Asia that formally worshiped this demonic false goddess they didn't all get saved, but a whole bunch of people did. A whole bunch of churches have been started, and everybody there, whether they got saved or not, has heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a spiritual warfare that is about to break loose. So in verse 12 again, the Bible says, the evil spirits went out of them. So there are demons being cast out of individual people. And now in verse number 13, we see some spiritual counterfeiters step up to the plate. 
Again, another unusual story that we find nothing like it anywhere in the book of Acts except here. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Unusual situation. This group of people, um, Luke calls them vagabond Jews. That word vagabond, uh, it wasn't necessarily a term. We kind of see it as a derogatory thing. It just means they were, they were traveling nomadic uh, type people. Um, you, 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 we might consider them somewhat like the gypsies. They don't stay in one place very long. Uh, they, so they were just called vagabond Jews. They didn't have one particular home that they called theirs. They went from point A to point B to point C and so forth. And their job here, they are called exorcist, um, casting out of demons. Josephus, uh, if you, how many know the name? Josephus was a Jewish historian who actually lived at this time. Josephus served with the Roman army. He was with uh, General Titus in 70 AD when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. He was an eyewitness of the destruction. Um, he wrote a, a, a book, a history of the antiquities of the Jews. It's about that thick and it's all very, very fine print. Uh, each page is like three or four columns of, of writing per page. Uh, he goes way back into their antiquity and he writes extensively about the, the, this particular time period. He wrote about the Lord Jesus Christ. This person, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, he never claimed to be a believer. Uh, he just wrote about it in a his, an historical sense. Josephus writes about what are called here the vagabond Jews. In Jesus' day, as he cast out demons, um, the, the, he was criticized for it. Can I get you to go to um, Mark chapter 1? Mm, do I want you in Mark chapter 1? I probably do. Yes, I do. Mark chapter, uh, I'm sorry, I want you in Matthew 12. We'll start there. Matthew 12. We know that Jesus cast out demons from time to time during his ministry. And uh, look, please, verse 22. There was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, meaning he could not speak, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? That is a title, meaning is not this the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, that's another name for Satan, the prince of the devils. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So you're, they accused him saying, you're casting out demons through satanic power by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. He said, that doesn't even make good sense. 
Why would the devil fight against himself? A house divided against itself cannot stand. But look what he went on to say in verse 27. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. So even as Jesus performed his ministry, there were these groups of Jewish people that they considered themselves exorcists and supposedly uh, they cast out devils. I mentioned Josephus. I mentioned him on purpose. Josephus writes about these that, that Luke called the vagabond Jews, um, that they traced their roots back to, of all people, King Solomon. If you remember, King Solomon started out having loved the Lord with all his heart. The Lord nicknamed him Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord. The Bible says that Solomon loved the Lord, served him with a perfect heart when he was young, and that the Lord loved Solomon. Solomon had an amazing relationship with his God. But along the way, as Solomon, uh, his influence grew, uh, what was Solomon's big downfall? Women. Uh, name the Jewish girl that Solomon married. Not a one. He had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines. And there's no record anywhere in the scripture that any of them were Jewish. They were princesses from all over the world. His first wife, anybody know where she was from? She was, she was the daughter of the king of Egypt, the daughter of Pharaoh. Um, uh, Solomon married all of these heathen women. He built homes and palaces for them and so forth. First Kings 11 tells us that as he grew older, his wives turned his heart from following the Lord and his heart was no longer perfect with God. Solomon, who built the temple in Jerusalem, also one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, Solomon also built temples to Ashtaroth, to Chemosh, to Molech, Two of those three required human child sacrifice as part of the worship. He built temples for those false gods and goddesses who were in reality what? According to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Devils. Solomon built temples for his pagan wives and, and was bringing all of this wicked idolatry, human sacrifice, all of those things in. Solomon, according to the history of Josephus, was fascinated with the supernatural and through the influence of his ungodly wives, very fascinated with the occult. By the way, the occult is nothing to play around with. Ouija boards, horoscopes, palm readers, psychics, that's the occult. That is satanic. That is of the devil. Understand that, plain and simple. Solomon was fascinated by it. And uh, there's all types of histories about Solomon as he delved into that. These, Jew, these vagabond Jews, these exorcists, claimed that they traced their, their roots back to the secrets uncovered 
by King Solomon. Whether they did or not, Josephus just simply claims that that's what they, they professed that they did. And so they come in and here's, here's Paul in town and God is using him through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Unclean spirits are coming out of the, those that were demon possessed. People are being set free. It happened in Philippi one time with that demon possessed girl. It's happening a lot apparently uh, according to Acts 19, verse 12, and the evil spirits, plural, went out of them, plural. So these vagabond Jews came in and they decided that they were going to call out spirits and they thought Paul had some new trick. They, they've been following uh, apparently the code words, the guide words, whatever uh, they had gleaned and passed on down through the generations from supposedly Solomon. And so now they're saying, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. These are spiritual counterfeiters. They're just using the name of Christ without any, uh, any reality about it in their lives. Verse 14, there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priest, which did so. Now just think about this. The, the chief of the priest in the city of Ephesus from the Jewish synagogue. These are the Jews that have already rejected the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man's got seven sons. And so they're now out and they're seeing Paul doing these things and they want to be part of the act and they just think it's a, it's, it's a, bunch, of, a bunch of magic words, that type of thing. And, and so they're out trying to do the same thing. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. Verse 15, the evil spirit, they encountered a man that, that was demon possessed. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know but who are ye? That's an interesting thing that the demon is actually speaking to them. He said, I know who Jesus is and I know who Paul is, but who in the world are you? Isn't that an interesting thing that the demon knew who Jesus was? Here's where I want you to go to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. It's not the first time that that, uh, a, a statement like that was made. Mark chapter one, the Bible says, and they, that's the savior and his disciples went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone either talking about the, the evil spirit and the man he possessed, or there might've been more than one spirit involved, said, let us alone, thou Jesus of Nazareth. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. So here's this demon-possessed man. By the way, he's in the synagogue. He's not in the bar. He's not in the nightclub. He's in the synagogue. Do you ever stop to realize the devil has his people in churches? We learned recently that the FBI 
planted people in Roman Catholic churches. Uh, You know, the ones labeled domestic terrorists and so forth to find out who was, you know, know, talking about parental rights and that, that type of thing and so forth. Do you understand the devil's got his go-to people? This guy's in the synagogue. Again, he's not in the bar. He's in the synagogue. Can I just say this? I would hate to be the devil's go-to guy. I'd hate to be the one that the devil looks around and says, you know, God's blessing that church and, and people are getting saved. People are growing in the Lord. We, we, we need to stop this. We need, we need to stir things up. We need to divide things a little bit. I know who I'll get. And goes to a certain individual because he knows he can count on them to cause some strife. He can count on them to cause some problems. I would hate to be the devil's go-to guy. This is this guy in the synagogue. And that's just a free advertisement. That's a public service announcement for you. But I want you to understand the demon knew exactly who Jesus was. How did he know that? How did the demon know who Jesus was? That that was the Holy One of God. Are we stumped? Demons are fallen angels. Lucifer was an angel. Satan himself was an angel. He was the anointed cherub. Uh, He was the most beautiful, the wisest of of the the cherubs of God. Uh, We may look at uh, some some text in Ezekiel and Isaiah about him uh, 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 maybe in the next week or so. Um, and so forth. Um, he was the per- perfection of beauty, the sum of wisdom. He was, he was it. Uh, created in Satan's being was the perfection of music. Did you know that? Percussion and woodwinds. Think about that. Uh, when you think about the phenomenon of rock music, what is the major driving force of rock music? Percussion. Now, percussion is not necessarily sinful because God created it in Lucifer. The son of the morning was, was one of his titles. But he got lifted up in pride and he fell. Revelation tells us when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him and is believed that that's, that's when we're reading about unclean spirits, demons, devils, that type of thing. That's what it is. You realize that the, the, the devil himself and the devils are all created beings. They were at one time in heaven. They were created to serve uh, almighty God and they sang and they praised and, and all of those things. So when, when uh, God became flesh and dwelt amongst us, uh, they knew exactly who he was. They'd, they'd known him from way back, uh, from the time that they were created. How many follow that? So back in Acts chapter 19, these seven sons of Sceva trying to cast a demon out and they are quoting and saying, we're adjuring you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the evil spirit said, I know who Jesus is. He also knew who Paul was because uh, Paul uh, was being used of God to cast demons out. He had the power of the Holy Spirit on him. Paul was a spirit-filled man. Uh, we learned that uh, way back in, in Acts chapter 13 and so forth. He says, so I know Jesus and I know Paul. He said, I don't know you. Who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. It's one against seven. 
one demon-possessed guy against seven phonies and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. He beat the living daylights out of them. He ripped their clothing off and they went running out of there, all seven of them. Uh, they are bleeded, bleeding, wounded in, in who knows what ways. They are naked. Verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So there is this, there is this spiritual battle going back and forth. Um, we, we see the devil, you, you, not necessarily the devil's crowd. You just see these vagabond Jews trying to cash in on it. And uh, the Lord has cleared uh, the, 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 the tables and let everybody know, no, there's the real thing. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the name of Christ has been magnified in an amazing, wonderful way. Verse 18. And many that believed, many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. The idea of confession is we have done wrong. We're making things right. We've, we're, we've been in the wrong and it's time to make a change. And they showed their deeds. They're, they're coming clean about things. These people that got saved. Fooey on this thing that we claim that we're saved but we don't talk any different. We don't live any different. Don't look any different. Don't treat people any different. Uh, we sing the song, when I first got saved, uh, there's been a great change since I've been born again. Therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all th things are become new. So Paul has preached the gospel here and many the belief came and they're getting things right. They're getting their lives in line with the word of God. They showed their deeds. Verse 19, many of them also, which use curious arts. If you take notes in your Bible, if you're not sure what that means, uh, think once again, the occult. Okay. This is occult paraphernalia. This would be, I don't know if they had Ouija boards back in the day, uh, but it would be any item associated uh, with the occult, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So all these people came in that had been part of the culture of, of Ephesus, uh, part of the culture of the worship of Diana and the, the demonic influence that was there. Um, and they, they had these books. Books were handwritten. There was no printing press. Books weren't bound like our, our books are today, your Bible or your songbook. Uh, they were often on lo long uh, scrolls of either parchment uh, or uh, vellum, which was a uh, like calf skin, uh, something like that. Occasionally, to make it more permanent, they were written on copper. One of the, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls was written on copper, uh, that type of thing. Um, and because they were handmade, they were very, very expensive. We have no idea how many people are in involved in this other than verse 18 says, many that believed came. Verse 19 says, many of them which also which use curious arts. They brought all this stuff together they had a bonfire. They didn't have a tag sale. 
Why didn't they just sell their stuff? Yeah, they didn't want to spread it. They didn't want somebody else to have those wicked things. So they had a bonfire and uh, they added up the price of it. The, and it says they found it 50,000 pieces of silver. I, I tried to do some research to find out in today's economy, how much, what would be the value of 50,000 pieces of silver? What's that? Quite a bit. Try a million dollars. Try a million dollars. Well, couldn't they have sold that and given the money to the church? Yeah, but that, that would have been a million dollars worth of stuff out there corrupting somebody else. Do you understand that these people were so convinced in the truth of the gospel, they were, they were so rightly discerning of, of right between wrong, they said this stuff needs to be destroyed. And so they had a bonfire and they burned up a million dollars worth of occult paraphernalia. Can you imagine what CNN would have done with that? By the way, who cares what CNN would have done with that? Um, but I want you to notice the result. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. When people are getting saved and their lives are being transformed by the power of Christ, when that change is being made by God in such a powerful way, it's an amazing thing, the influence that it has. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. This church at Ephesus is becoming a powerhouse and it would be that way for a long time. The apostle John would eventually move to Ephesus. It is believed that this is where Mary, the mother of Jesus, died. Remember at the cross, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, Mary was standing beside John and he looked at his mother and said, woman, behold thy son. He looked at John and said, son, behold thy mother. And John took her from that day forward and took care of her. Um, and so uh, the apostle John pastored there. John had a disciple by the name of Polycarp, uh, one of the early church fathers, and he pastored there. He was actually martyred, uh, burned at the stake in the city of Ephesus. Timothy pastored in the city of Ephesus. This is a church that had a very long history uh, and God used it. Some great men pastored the church. Now, we know by Revelation 2, uh, by, by the year 96 AD, when that book was penned by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the church at Ephesus was still functioning. They were still doctrinally sound. They were separated, um, but they had lost their fire. They had lost their zeal. The Lord said, you've left your first love. And, he, and the Lord Jesus had to scold the church. But you realize that for uh, about 50 years, that church was on fire for God. Some churches don't last much more than a year or two and then the flame dies out. It just burns bright and fizzles out. This is a church that had decades of usefulness. And we see by the time we come to verse 20 that, that the power of God is working in such a way the forces of evil are vanquished. 
the counter, the spiritual counterfeiters are exposed uh, and, 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 put, and, and, and put to naught. We, we see that those who profess uh, salvation in Christ, their lives are being transformed in an incredible way. Is it any wonder that everybody in Asia is being exposed to the word of God? Is it any wonder the Lord spent as, as much time as he has with this one church in the city of Ephesus? By the way, this is the church to whom the book of Ephesians was written. We are running out of time. Uh, I, I'm going to take you to a passage in Ephesians that is going to relate back to the things that we've talked about tonight, about the demonic forces, the spiritual warfare, uh, and so forth. But let us just be reminded of this, that, that God's word is still powerful. Uh, God's word is not bound, not, not even a little bit. Um, and it never has been. Uh, the only thing that limits God, according to the book of Psalms, the only thing that ever limited the Holy One of Israel are God's people. It's when God's people say, well, I know the Bible says, but. The Bible says, yea, they limited the Holy One of Israel so much. God wanted to do with them and through them and for them but they themselves limited what God would, would do because of their unbelief. Here is a church and these believers are not limiting God in any way. So let me leave, leave us with this question. Are we limiting God? Are we limiting him through our worldliness? Are we limiting him through our unbelief? Are we limiting him through our stiff-necked, well, I know what the Bible says, but I don't really care, mentality? That'd be a sad thing to get to heaven and find out what God wanted to do. But we wouldn't let him do. The church at Ephesus showed us when God's people will let him and just yield God always wins. God always prevails. And God can do, a, he, he can do a mighty thing. He could do it then. He can do it now. And if there's ever a day in our country's history where we need to see God move like he did in Ephesus, it's right here and now. It's right here and now. We need to stop there. Father, thank you for the Bible.